So I want to continue to speak this morning on um, the word that I believe that the Lord gave to me to give to this church while I was on sabbatical or to end of the sabbatical. The, the Lord just really spent some time and kind of poured into my heart on some things. And last week we spent the time on the first part of that. So you're going to have to go back and listen to last week's sermon um, to get that. But the major points of last week's message were um, beginning in Psalm 127 verses 1 through 2. Basically, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. This is the Lord's house. And if we're going to labor, we need to labor in connection with the Lord's will. If we're going to fight the Lord, we're not going to win. If we're building it on our own venue, on our own agenda, we're, we're going to labor in vain. So we have to find the Lord's purpose. God must be the center point of our life. We must make sure that we are centering our heart and life on Jesus Christ and on the Word of God. If it's anything amiss, we're going to miss. If we're not centering on the Word of God, we're not going to be hitting the mark. And so, therefore, we have to make sure that our hearts are centered on the Word of God. We need to take the time to pray and seek God's will in our life and in the, in the, will, in the life of our church. And then we spoke last week as well that our worship is good worship, but it's, it's incomplete if we're not making worship equal to obedience. We need to be obedient to God's Word if we're going to be true worshipers. And um, so we must make sure that we define our worship as obedience. And as we're obedient to the Word of God, and if we're actively living, living out our obedience on a daily basis, then that is true worship. So that's kind of the, the highlights of what we spoke about last week. But today, I truly believe that God has a definitive plan for this church. He's got a plan. He's got a desired outcome already, already put in place. Our job is to get in line with what he's doing. Our job is not to create it. Our job is not to formulate it. Our job is not to strategize over it. Our job is to find the will of God that we would then fulfill the desired outcome that he already has in store for us. And we need to bring it to pass by, by following his word. So let's jump right into what we talked about or what the Lord laid on my heart, um, beginning with uh, the, next, the, next, the second half. And I, and I pray that this will be worth our time and worth your time as we study this. We need to see the potential in us that God sees. We are spending too much time seeing what we aren't rather than seeing what God wants us to be. Satan, the robber of vision, has a cloud of deception on this place, and only through prayer and a committed, worshipful, meaning obedient life will the power of the Holy Spirit lift this veil of deception from us. Then we will begin to walk into our true potential that God has for us. Now, I just want to stop right here and take this one point head on. This one point here about Satan. I don't want to give him too much credit. I don't want to give him any more credit than what he's due. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a disturber of the peace. He's everything evil. And we could find Scripture backing up all of that and more. There is nothing good in his plan. There is nothing good about what he wants. I don't, and I don't want to overly credit him for doing anything in our lives because we can create enough of our own problems. We don't need to have Satan doing it, okay? But I do want to emphasize this morning that even though that he is all that, we know that we are conquerors in Jesus Christ, 
right? Satan may have his own ability. He may have his, his powers, and they're above our natural powers, but he cannot, he does not, he is not on the same playing field as Jesus Christ. Jesus defeated him 2,000 years ago, and we need to uh, continue to believe that and live that as true believers of Jesus Christ. And I mean as a true believer, you mean, that means the Holy Spirit lives in you. When you accepted Jesus Christ, the Spirit then took residence. And then as a Pentecostal believing church, when we have the second experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's another enabling of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing the enemy can do to take us down. There is nothing he can do to defeat us when we have the Holy Spirit living us, and living in us and the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. We are more than conquerors. Romans chapter 8, verses 31, 34, and 37. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he is also interceding for us. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are the winners. We are the conquerors. And the enemy, all he can do is lie to us. All he can do is try to come and try to make us believe a lie. It's our job to put our faith in Christ and to to strip the devil of all of his powers by believing in who Jesus Christ is in us. And we do this humbly, and we do this wholly by submitting ourselves unto Christ. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will do what? What does it mean when he flees from you? Does he stay in your presence anymore? No, he flees. He's gone. He cannot stay where Jesus is in control. Now, if you're if you're not a a a wholly submitted believer, if you're carnally minded in some ways, then you're giving the devil the foothold and you're giving him right to be there. So we have to read what this says. Submit yourselves to God. What does it mean to submit? Come under authority. You are coming under the authority of Jesus Christ through the blood of Jesus. And when you submit yourselves to Christ, the devil can't stay there. He only stays there when we're only partially submitted. When we got one foot in and one foot out, he's he's where the foot is out. Okay? So we can't say that the devil can overtake us unless we are not fully submitted. If we're submitted to Christ, then the devil must flee. The verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. We have, to have, we have some responsibility in this. We have to make sure that we're putting ourselves in position by our nearness of proximity to Jesus. The closer I am to Jesus, the farther I am from the enemy. The closer I draw to Jesus, the farther I am from the influence of the devil. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? The closer you get to Jesus, the farther you are away from the influence of this world. The closer you get to Jesus, the farther you are from the confusion that this world brings. It's what you want. Draw near to me, Jesus says, and I will draw near to you. So let's just recognize here that there is no power that the enemy has to inflict upon you when you are near to Jesus. Draw near to me, he said, and I will draw near to you. Does that make sense?
Can we appreciate that? Can, if, we, if, if we can learn to live in that, we can live in victory. Does that mean we're not going to have temptation? No, we're going to have temptation. Does that mean the devil's going to leave you alone? No, he's probably not going to leave you alone. He's probably, he's probably going to come after you more. But that's where you draw closer to Jesus, okay? And don't be drawn into his trap. Just keep focusing on the Lord. Just keep putting yourself in position, in proximity of the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit and by the blood of Jesus. Amen. So let me ask you, are you saved this morning? And are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And are you, are you walking in a life pleasing to the Lord? All right. Now, if you are, then the next part here is how do we see ourselves? How, do we, how does God see us? I said earlier that the Lord said we are spending too much time seeing what we aren't rather than seeing what God wants us to be. It's easy to look around and say, we don't have, there's not every seat filled here today. It's easy to see that. It's easy to be discouraged because maybe we have children that aren't living for the Lord. It's easy to be discouraged maybe because our bank account isn't what we want it to be. It's easy to be discouraged maybe because we're struggling with some health issues. It's easy to be discouraged because we're looking at the world and how crazy our political system is today. It's easy to be discouraged by the things that we see with our natural eyes. But what does God say about that? How is God seeing you? And how is God seeing this church? That's why I asked the question, are you saved this morning? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you living to the potential that God has for us as we're living in in relationship, living in the presence of the Lord? Now, if you're living there, God sees you differently than maybe you see yourself. So let me, t- let me ask you, shout out some things to me in your mind. What does God see you as? What is, how does God see you? Tell me. A believer? Believer in what? Yeah. Say it again. A son or a daughter for the women here. <laughs> what else do you see you as? Beloved. Yeah. Redeemed. What's some other ways that Christ Jesus sees you? Faithful servant. Surrendering. Children, yes. How about powerful? Do you think he sees you as powerful? Victorious? Loved and cherished? Amen. Jesus died for us. Before we were lovely, Jesus died for us. But now that we've accepted him, we are now a cherished prize of him. We are a son or a daughter. That's amazing that God would see us that way. And unfortunately, we don't see ourselves that way too much. Maybe sometimes we do. Maybe sometimes we feel like we're on the top of the world and things are great. But you know what? When the enemy hits us, because he's going to hit you, I'm telling you, he's going to hit you, but that doesn't, that doesn't take your identity away. Just because he gives you a belly, cu- a, a belly punch doesn't mean he's, he's trying to knock the wind out of you. That doesn't mean he's calling you defeated. No, you just take it and move on. It doesn't change your identity. As a child of God, God sees us and he's going to protect us. John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. But to all who believed on him and accepted him, that's why I asked, are you saved? 
because he's talking about to all those that, are, that have accepted Christ and have, that are believing on him, to all those, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. How many times have you heard someone say, well, we're all God's children? Can I tell you that that's not true? That's not a true statement. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation, but we're not all His children until we accept the blood of Christ. We accept the blood of Christ and we accept His sacrifice for us, and then God does an amazing thing. He signs the adoption papers, and he calls us now, you're not just my creation, you're my child. And when I'm a child of God, nothing is going to stand in my way. Nothing is going to stand in your way when you have your father, a heavenly father that is the creator of all things. Who is going to stand in your way? Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 7, the Living Bible says this, But when the right time came, the time came God decided on, He sent His Son, born of a woman, born as a Jew, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own sons. And because we are His sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. So now we can rightly speak of God as our Father, as our dear Father. Now we are no longer slaves, but God's own sons. And since we are his sons, everything he has belongs to us, for that is the way God planned. Do you see anything in here that the enemy can get in and stop you at if you are the son of God or the daughter of God? When God has given you all things at your disposal, we are children because God loves us, because he gave a son for us, and because we've we've accepted Jesus Christ. We are adopted into the sonship of heaven. Romans 8, 5, 15 through 17. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you or brought your redemption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings so that we may also share in his glory. So heirs and heir of God and a co-heir with Christ, we are entitled to all that God has for us. Amen? That's really powerful stuff. That's really amazing to think that we, are, we have that much authority, and that we have that much power because we are an heir of Christ. Now let me ask you a question. Do you believe it? Are you experiencing it? I want to encourage you this morning to start walking in it. Start walking in it. Start recognizing who you are in Christ. We are the victorious children of God. Nothing, nothing can stand in our way. Tell yourself that every morning when you wake up. Tell yourself, I'm a child of God this morning. I'm a child of God this morning. I am going to conquer the world today. I'm going to conquer my world today. Tell yourself who you are. Declare it to yourself. Don't let the enemy, do not let him come in and steal and and destroy your heart. Don't give him that authority. Because he doesn't have it unless you give it to him. He doesn't have it unless you give it to him. You have got to give over to Satan because as a child of God, you are not a slave anymore to fear unless you choose to be fearful.
Amen. We walk in it. And that's going to require a new change of identity. So let's continue on. Changing into a new identity is hard work, and it requires godly diligence and a desire to invite God's presence daily to walk step-by-step in a new authority. Do not allow the old habits to slip back in, but to earnestly ask the Holy Spirit for daily sustenance and stamina to stay the new course. Don't be afraid of what the new man looks like. This new man is the man that God is going to be pleased with. This is the man that is going to hear, and God is going to tell, well done, thou good and faithful. The new man, changing into an identity, changing an identity from one man to a new man is not easy work to do. I will tell you it's not. But it's there because it's the truth. It's the truth of what's happened to us. And these changes are both internal and external. The changes of who we are as a result of us becoming a child of God, it changes us. Yeah, sometimes we really struggle with change, don't we? How many here like change? Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, none of us really like change. We like to be in a, a, a controlled situation that we understand it, we, it's predictable, we know what the next minute's going to hold. We really don't like to be in a situation where we're changing. That's just our nature. But if we resist the change of identity that comes from being a child of God, if we think we can um, not change when God changes you, if you want to say in the old man, the old ways, the old habits, the old identity then you're robbing yourself of the glorious presence and the victory that God has for us. So change is necessary. Change is something that just, it it has to happen, and you must allow it to happen. And we get afraid sometimes of changing. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. When someone becomes a Christian... He becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. All these new things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. This is a process. I will say that this is a process of restoring the fallen man into the character and the purpose of what God originally intended for us to be. Yeah. Now, I would say it would be easy if we could look at it and say, okay, the day I get saved, I'm automatically going to be different tomorrow. Now, I'm changed on the inside, but we are still in control of our choices. He never takes our choices away from us. Even after we've chosen him, he never takes our choices. So we have to continually choose to see the new man and to give the new man the authority in our lives. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a one-time experience. It's a constant change, a, a state of transformation where we're changing the old natural fleshly man into a new spiritual man, and that takes effort and diligence for us to continually walk in. It takes discipleship. It takes reading God's Word. It takes studying um, 
good devotions. It takes coming together in good Bible studies. It, it means getting together with godly men, maybe over coffee or, over, over, uh, or ladies at lunch or whatever it is. It means that you are rightly dividing the Word of God and you're building each other up. It's discipleship. It's choosing to not use the same language I used before or the same thoughts I used before. If my language was rough, then get rid of the rough language. You don't need to use curse words anymore. You don't need to think old ways anymore. Stop it. Start changing. Start changing the character inside. We are no longer the owner of our bodies, nor are we no longer the owners of our tongues. Think about what's happening here. You've given ownership over from the old man to the new man. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. Haven't you yet learned that your, ho- that your body is the home of the Holy Spirit God gave you and that He lives within you? Your own body does not belong to you anymore, for God has bought you with a great price. What's the great price? What's the great price that God bought you with? The life of His Son. Jesus Christ. And if that's not a good, big, great price, what is? Jesus died. He left heaven to buy you, to buy me. So use every part of your body to give glory back to God because He owns it. Why would we not want to then be obedient? Why would we not want to be worshipful in our obedience then if we recognize that God owns this body now? I've given up on it. I don't own it anymore. Now, some of you may be saying, well, I've been a Christian for a long time. And I would say, well, that's right. And, and thank the Lord for that. But God still owns you even as you, no matter how long you've been a Christian. <laughs> he, he never gives the ownership back to you. He always wants to continue to make the changes that the new owner has. You know, when you sell a house and you give up the house, you might have worked on that house and you might have you know, built that house just the way you liked it. And you might, it might be your dream house. And you, you might just really like that house the way you, you had it built. But for whatever reason, you had to move and you sold it to somebody else. And, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes to watch somebody else change your old house. Man, I, why are they changing that? I, I built it that way. Why are they remodeling my house? It's not your house anymore. They bought it. They have every right to change it whatever way they want to change it. It's not your house. It's their house. And that's the same thing with our bodies. It's not our body anymore. God has every right to come in and make every change He wants to make. And I shouldn't be protective over it. I should say, Lord, make the changes. Continue to make the changes in my life. Continue to make me more like you. Develop my character to be more like your character. And quit holding on to the old man, the old way. And sometimes that's fearful. Sometimes we don't like that because we're not sure what God's going to do with it. We're not sure how He's going to change it. And that takes me to the external part of God's ownership. Because when He changes me internally, that means my external nature is going to change as well. And you know what? People are going to see it. That means when you go to work, you're not going to be the same guy you were before. And that might scare you a little bit because people, you, you were thinking, well, but they might ask questions now. They might say, well, why are you different? Well, you have to tell them. <laughs> because internally, I'm not the same man as I was before. And unfortunately, that scares people because they don't want to give their testimony. They don't want to speak up with what, with what God has done for them. 
And that's scary. But let me just tell you, that's the devil telling you lies. You know, here's the deal. People really want to be good, but they just don't know how. And so when, you, when, when they see you changing from the person that was like them, and they start seeing you good, they kind of envy you, thinking, how are you doing that? What's different about you all of a sudden? Why aren't you cursing and swearing and tell the bad, telling the bad jokes anymore and drinking with us anymore and you know, getting on the porn sites with us anymore and, and all that stuff? Why aren't you doing that? Because in all honesty, they don't like that. There, there is that. They know, if they're in a porn site, they know ultimately down deep inside that's where they shouldn't be. But they just can't break away from it sometimes. Well, when they see a person that has broken away from it, and all of a sudden that person is bringing a changed nature to them, they really want to be like you, and they just don't know how. So they might ridicule you a little bit. They might, they might tease you a little bit because now you're goody two-shoes or whatever. But really, they want to be like you. And when you get quiet times with them and they're truly honest with themselves, they probably are going to ask you, what's different about you? What changed? Why aren't you the same guy you used to be? And this is an opportunity for you to tell your testimony. You've got to remember that the old man, if you're afraid of where the new man's taken you, recognize where the old man was taking you. Where was the old man taking you? To hell to destruction, to eternal destruction, to eternal punishment. The new man is taking you to heaven. The new man is taking you to, to eternal life. The new man is taking you to, to a life pleasing to the Lord. Now, which one should you be afraid of? The old man taking you to hell or the new man taking you to heaven? Which one should you be afraid of? The old man. But yet, we're comfortable with the old man because the new man requires a change Ah, we get uncomfortable with change. That's the devil, all right? That's the flesh. We need to get comfortable in our uncomfortableness. <laughs> we, need to be, we need to be stretched. We need to allow the new man to take control and start to be comfortable with where the new man's taken us because the new man will take you to heaven. The new man, you will hear one day, well done, thou good and faithful. That should help you to get that perspective correctly, that don't fear what people are going to think of you. Don't fear what people are going to um, ask of you. Remember that the new man is the man that God is pleased with, not the old man. If you want Jesus to tell you, well done, thou good and faithful, at the end of your life, then now is the time to be good and faithful so that the result comes. I want to read an article that I saw off of uh, Charisma Magazine online, and this kind of is talking about new wine, new wineskins. Listen to this as this author speaks. In Matthew nine seventeen, Jesus said, Neither do men put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins burst, the wine runs out, and the wineskins perish. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. A wineskin is essentially a container or a vessel that stores liquid. Jesus said... Rivers of living water would flow from our belly. Now, new wine will flow from our vessel if we embrace and in some instances become new wineskins. This means a change in the way we move, live, and have our being. When the new wine will come new creativity and new, will come new methods. We must not expect to do business as usual or church as usual. 
Those who embrace the spirit of innovation will see an accelerated growth as the Holy Spirit breathes the wind of momentum over your work. Those who don't embrace the new wineskin will not be able to hold the new wine God is pouring out in this season. Their wineskins will be like bags with holes. Times of refreshing will come to those willing to change the way they think and embrace the new wineskin. But the enemy will bring, a, will bring weariness to those who won't embrace the Holy Spirit's leading to follow him. It's when you're not fully in is when you'll get weary. All right? Although the ultimate separation won't come until the judgment of the nations, Jesus describes in Matthew 25, 31, and 45, we will see exposure this year of those who are abusing the new wine or who are not holding it in vessels of honor. 2 Timothy 2, 2.20 and 23 says this, Paul told this, his spiritual son, in a large house there are not only good and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay. Some are for honor, some for dishonor. One who cleanses himself from these things will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, fit for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. So flee youthful desires and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and unlearned debates, knowing that they create strife. The author finishes up, Only those who pursue righteousness will be able to hold the new wine. Those who abuse spiritual gifts, merchandise the saints, exert false charisma, and the like will be exposed in the eyes of those who have cleansed their hands with a pure heart. One other thing he says that I think is very noteworthy here is the fact that wineskins in biblical times are made of either sheep or goat skin. Prophetically speaking, I believe the outpouring of new wine will begin to separate the sheep from the goats, the true from the false. You will know them by their fruit, according to Matthew chapter 7. New wine manifests with not just the gifts of the Spirit, but also the fruit of the Spirit. What are we this morning? Are, are, are we embracing? Are we accepting? Are we, are we changing our wineskins? Are we wanting the new wine, not just to... Um, See, if it comes in with an old wineskin, it might be there for a bit, but as the wine expands, as it ferments, and all the stuff that happens in this, in this, expo, in this example, it, it will create leaks or it could burst. And those great experiences we have won't last. But if I buy a new wineskin or if I exchange my new identity, my old identity to a new identity of a new wineskin, then I can hold that spirit within me because it's God's new spirit for us. That's the powerful thing that we need to have. Let me talk about what the new identity does for us. Because God is preparing for an army. He's preparing an army that will stand and fight until the end. He's looking for those that are ready and willing to arm themselves with his righteousness and holiness because they are the only ones that will survive the battle that lies ahead. Many will try to win the battle on their own or in their own self-righteous version of religion and efforts only to be slaughtered by the enemy. Compromise with the world is not in the battle plan of God's army. God is looking for those that are willing to go the distance with him to sustainable victory in this life and the life to come. Are we in? Are we in? We shouldn't be surprised when the enemy brings attacks. Armies are expecting a battle. <laughs> You know, if you were in the army, you're going to expect, if you're going to go to the front line, you're, you're, you're not going there for a picnic. You're going there, you're, you're, you're expecting to be shot at. 
and you're expecting to be, to be attacked. And that's what we have to realize. We're going into battle. Expect the attacks. But recognize, true, that we're not on our own authority. We're going in the authority of Christ. When you go to battle under the U.S. Army, you're not going as Jim Jensen or Mike Way. You're going as a member of the U.S. Army. You have the authority of the U.S. Army. Well, same thing with our Christian walk. We're not going in as just Max. We're going in as Max, the child of God, who has the Holy Spirit in him and who's going to defeat the enemy, not through Max, but through the power of the blood of Christ. And we start taking that identity on. We, then are, we are then signing up for the army that's going to defeat the enemy in all cases. That's different than a marginal Christian. That's different than it's just a Christian by name, by profession, but not, but, con, but, but not by confession. That marginal Christian is doing it in his own way, his own self-righteousness. That man will be slaughtered. That man will not stand against the enemy because he's not fully in the army of God. He's in his own world. <laughs> he's in his own made-up little army, and it's not going to work. So as we prepare ourselves to be in the battle, we have to make sure that we are clearly submitted and wholly in, in, involved in the relationship we have with Christ. Under the blood of Christ, we stand our ground on the rock of God's salvation, on the rock of His righteousness, on the rock of His truth. 2 Timothy 2.19, But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this, with this inscription, The Lord knows who are His, and all those who belong to the Lord must turn from evil. We know Him. There's two, there's two points here. First of all, that God knows who we are, God's truth is a firm foundation, is a rock that we can stand on, and all who stand on it, who belong to Christ, have to continue to stand on it by knowing and by trusting and by turning away from the evil that is so much around us. It'd be easy to be a deserter in some times, possibly, and there's those that have deserted, gone with the enemy, thinking that it was going to save their life. Well, in the end of the day, it's going to lose their life. Yeah. We, we, we are victorious by preserving our faith and remaining in the presence of the Most High. That's the only way that we can continue to do this. According to John 1, 12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. It's the, it's the, it's the man that perseveres. The Living Bible Translation says it this way, Happy is the man who doesn't give in and, go, and do wrong when he is tempted. For afterwards, he will get as his reward the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. Happy is the man who doesn't give in to the world. Happy is the man that doesn't give up when times get tough. Happy is the man who perseveres under the tests of what it means to be a Christian. Because when you persevere and you get to the end of the race, God's going to say, yeah, I was with you all along. You did a good job, man. I'm really proud of you. Come on, enjoy me. Enjoy my, enjoy my life. But when we start compromising with things, compromise with the world is not in the battle plan of God's army. He's looking for those that are willing to go the distance. God is not calling us to compromise with the world system. And it's so easy to, find, to see that. It's so easy to, to go so far. And then when the resistance gets too much, rather than standing firm, we will maybe slip back to just be like everybody else. That's not the church that Jesus is coming back for. That's not the bride undefiled. A compromised church will be left behind. Just so you know that. 
the compromised church will be left behind. You know, I'm really not ashamed. I'm really not embarrassed. I'm really okay with being called narrow-minded. Do you know what that means? I I don't mind people looking at me and saying, you are so narrow-minded. And you know why I I don't mind being called narrow-minded? Because Matthew chapter 7 gives me the reason. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Heaven can be entered only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide enough for all the multitudes who chose its easy way. But the gateway to life is small, and the road is narrow, and only a few ever find it. So I don't mind being called narrow-minded, because narrow-minded to me is my definition of narrow-mindedness is I'm focused on Christ. I'm focused. I want to stay on that narrow road, and therefore I don't need to be broad-minded to stay on a narrow road. I can be narrow-minded, and I can be on the way to, my, to eternal life. Broad-minded people are easy to compromise things because I, can want, I don't want to make a conflict. I don't want to have anybody not like me, so I broaden my perspectives. Well, you can do that to a degree, but that's not the safe place to be. If you want to be safe in your relationship with the Lord, you need to stay on the narrow-minded road here, right? Don't allow the, the passions of this world or don't, don't allow the arguments that your friends would bring to you to broaden your horizons. Come on, don't be so narrow-minded. The, the chances are, guys, that we will be called bigots. We will be called, yeah, a lot of things, right? So what? So what? My mind is on Christ, Finally, then, to finish up today, Jackie, you could come if you would. This is not a new message. This is the message that we've been preaching and, and proclaiming here ever since I've been a pastor and before. But the question really comes down to us now is, are we ready and willing to accept the call to be narrow-minded and to be focused on Christ? Is this the generation that is truly willing to walk into the promises God has foretold for our church and our community God has a plan that that began with the inception of this church back in the 40s. Are we the generation that is really going to see it come to pass? We We have the opportunity to walk in God's plan or the opportunity to create our own path. What's our choice? Where are we at? What are we going to do? Are we going to cave in to the pressures of this world because we want to have... Um, bigger numbers or whatever it is or do we want to stay the course because we're going to be focused in on Christ we're going to keep our eyes focused on the author and perfecter of our faith Jesus Christ who endured the cross scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father that's who Jesus is that's, that's who we're chasing that's who we're following this morning and this is going to require a, a wineskin change this morning would you stand with me please I would just like to end the service this morning for those that would Would you come forward? Can we just, you don't have to if you don't want to, but I'm just asking for those that want to come this forward. And and I want to end by praying at the front here this morning. And I just want to pray that we would be willing to embrace the new wineskins that Jesus has for us. And you're not not doing it by when you you come down here corporately like this, that's, that's that's not all there is to it. What it means is, are we going to continue to live in it? What's your choice? What do you want? 
Where do you want to live this morning? Where do you want your life to be? Do you want the blessings of God in your life? Or do you want the old man to show up, take over again, continue to lead us in the old ways of things? Let's sing the song that Jackie's playing, and I I just want to encourage you to examine your heart, find out where you're at, find out what your identity is. Are you struggling with the new? Are you uncomfortable with the new? Are you comfortable with the old? Even as a Christian, we have things that God wants to change in us. Let's just ask Him to do some work. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer slave to fear I am a child You have chosen me. Love has called my name. And I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through. Now this morning you may be here and maybe you're struggling with fear. Maybe you're struggling with something in your identity that's really bothering you. I want you to know that we're here to pray with you. We want to work with you. We want to stand with you this morning. So this morning if if you're struggling in an area of your life that you're just not comfortable in, just step out and let us pray with you. Let us agree in prayer with you that the Lord will truly conquer all those things as you just give it to him. I know most of us here are fully involved with what our faith, and I get that. But that doesn't mean that there's still not some areas that we may be fearful in. not a negative to say I need a little help every once in a while. It doesn't say that you're not strong in your life and your salvation. It's not that. It's just that I need help. 
I need to be encouraged a little bit. Amen. Anyone else? Just as the Lord would just prompt you to say, I need a little help from my sisters and my brothers. We're going to sing the song again, and we're just going to pray. We're just going to ask the Lord to just continue to move in our hearts and lives and to take the fear of that new man away, that we can then embrace where we're going and not, and not, not be afraid of it anymore, but walk fully and strongly and confidently in what he has for us. Let's sing it again, and let's just... If you want to come up, come on up. We'll pray in Jesus' name. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies to all just go with us throughout our days today. Lord, continue to remind us who we are. Continue to speak over us how you see us. And let us not see what's obvious to the naked eye, to the fleshly eye, but help us to see what's spiritualized, that what you're preparing for us, what you're preparing us to be into this community, we stand in that and we walk in that and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed today as you go. The altars are still open. If you want to stay and pray, pray. But you're welcome to go if you have to. Thank you, Jesus. I'm